When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. To be clear, nobody's getting pictures of my feet. I mean, unless, <laughs> unless my career here at ESPN goes really south and also my legal career goes really south. I mean, you never know, right? You never know where you end up in life, Joe. Is there a scenario where feet pics could make me some cash? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? There are. I don't. I don't understand it. It's not something that appeals so to me. So bizarre. I, I. So I just. I don't get it. But it's. I'm not. I'm also not <laughs> oblivious to the fact that there are a lot of people who are into that. So to each their own. So yes, I would have to imagine you could do quite well in that market should you choose to enter it. Uh, yes, I think I'll pass on that option for now. Sure. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh, hanging out Free country. with you. Sure. At Amber W Sports. Don't ask me for Pete picks. At Joe Fortenbaugh, he might send you his. I don't know where he stands on the subject. Joe and Amber don't presented I don't have the time. by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save. 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at progressive.com. We have been having a little fun with a segment that we came up with. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl. We don't focus on the worst teams in the NFL. That would be easy. It would be really easy for us to tell you why the Houston Texans aren't going to win the Super Bowl. We instead focused on some of the best teams in the NFL. The Ravens and the Vikings fans need to buckle up. Let's hop to it. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl. Oh, no! We suck again! With Joe and Amber. There's a chance we won't win? The Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, a team that I think both you and I could be significantly improved this season. 10-win team last season, right behind Cincinnati in that division time and again. Can they stay healthy? Can they get it done? Possibly. But, Joe, tell us why they won't. This is the moment where I knew the creation of this bit was going to backfire on me because I really like Baltimore this year. So I hate the fact that I have to sit here and try to make the case against them. The obvious thing would be Lamar Jackson getting hurt. I don't need to go into depth on that. We saw what happened last year. Anytime a franchise quarterback gets hurt, your chances of winning the Super Bowl go swirling down the toilet unless you can catch lightning in a bottle like the Giants with Jeff Hostetler or the Eagles with Nick Foles. Other than that, I would have to say with Baltimore, it would be the inevitable get to the playoff and just have that bad game at the bad moment from your franchise quarterback. Baltimore is a team that's built for the regular season. Great defense, great offense, very difficult to game plan for, excellent head coach in John Harbaugh. But when you get to the playoffs and the advanced scouting is taking place and everyone is aware of what's happening and everything gets ratcheted up, it somehow always seems like it's more of a challenge for Baltimore to execute they want the way they want to execute. That last playoff game we saw them in in Buffalo when they got beat, they couldn't do jack offensively. It was atrocious. When we saw them get knocked out in Lamar's first playoff game, I want to say, at home against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, they got their butts kicked in that game. So ultimately, they seem to just get outworked and outcoached when they get to the playoffs, and Jackson has not been able to elevate his game. 
So it's either a Jackson injury or Jackson once again failing to rise to the occasion in the postseason because outside of that, they're as well-rounded as anybody in the league. For me, the reason that Baltimore won't win a Super Bowl, and I agree with you, this is a team that I actually expect big things from. The obvious, yes, Tyler Huntley won't get it done. So if Lamar Jackson's not available, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. We don't even need to have that conversation. Health has been a factor for this team. But outside of the whole health conversation that you could have, frankly, with any team in the NFL, the reason that they wouldn't win a Super Bowl is because of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a problem that we've seen for Baltimore time and again. And it ain't a problem that's going away because although I think that the Ravens are better this season, I also think the Bengals are going to be better this season. I think what the Bengals did in addressing that O-line, bringing in Orlando Brown Jr. I think that the Bengals are going to have a lot more protection for Joe Burrow in place, and we know what that means and how dangerous that quarterback can be with the best wide receiver room in the NFL. With the Ravens, though, it's not just who they're facing in terms of opponents. It's also Lamar Jackson having to assimilate to an entirely new playbook. And although you and I both think that new Todd Munkin offense is going to be exciting there in Baltimore, it could go the other way. I mean, it is a high-flying offense. It's a pass-first offense. And this is a quarterback, even after an MVP, people are asking how well can he throw the football. I'm not one of those people. It seems like an absurd conversation, but we do know where his strengths have been. And there's a reason that Greg Roman was relying more on the run-first style approach. So is it going to work with Todd Munkin's new system? Is he going to be able to execute it the way that Todd Munkin was able to execute it as an OC at Georgia? I think that there's a lot of question marks from that, just just in terms of Lamar Jackson assimilating himself to a new system. If they don't win a Super Bowl, if they don't get there, if they don't get close to one, it'll be in part because that was too difficult of a task for him at this point. Yep, absolutely. And I think you make a great point, too. Anytime we talk about these teams in the AFC, one of the overarching anti-winning the Super Bowl takes is going to be just the sheer level of depth and competition within the conference. Let's talk about a team then in the NFC, facing far less competition from that regard. But why the Minnesota Vikings... A heck of a regular season team, a team, though, that even throughout the regular season, even winning 13 games in the regular season last season, nobody seemed to believe in this team, Joe. Why aren't the Minnesota Vikings winning the Super Bowl? This this is one of those how much time you got, because we could go on forever about why they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Number one, last year was a Fugazi season. They win 13 games, but they were 11-0 and in one-score games. You're never going to be able to sustain that kind of good fortune in those situations. That's going to come back to earth, and as a result of that coming back to earth, you won't win as many games, so you might not be in the playoffs as a result. Because last year, that was a divisional win. This year, they might not get enough to get there. The defense was a major problem last year, but they fired Ed Donatel and they brought in Brian Flores. So I believe that unit will be upgraded, but who knows by how much. And then, of course, there's Kirk Cousins in a big spot. Kirk Cousins in primetime games is always a disaster. Kirk Cousins in playoff games is generally a disaster. You, If you're going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, he's going to need to, at a minimum, let's say they get the number one seed, he's going to have to win in the divisional round, the conference championship round, and the Super Bowl. For a guy who's barely been able to string together big performances in big spots, I don't see him doing it three times in a row. Kirk Cousins is not the problem with this team, and he's the most lovable quarterback on that Netflix show, so now I am a big fan of Kirk Cousins. But he is not the problem on this team outside of that Netflix show as well. What is a problem for this Minnesota Vikings team is no Adam Thielen anymore. The cornerback room. They cut a corner. They allowed four others to walk in free agency. 
no Dalvin Cook anymore. For me, the biggest problem in Minnesota is the pieces that this team has lost. So, yes, it was a 13-win team last season. It was a 13-win team with a significant portion of those teams being by the closest of margins, being one-score wins. And on top of that now, they're missing a lot of those pieces from even those 13 wins that they were able to pull off last season. So, for me, it's not Kirk Cousins. I feel like Kirk Cousins tends to, frankly, be underrated overall. But I do think Kirk Cousins' team around him got worse and that that's an issue. I agree with you, though. Brian Flores is an upgrade, but that's yeah. not the game that we're playing. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. Joel Embiid. He has now removed processing from his Instagram profile and his location as <laughs> Philadelphia. What does it all mean? It has been a tumultuous week for the 76ers, but we have been saying that for years. That's next. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Daryl Morey is a liar. This battle has been going on largely behind the scenes all summer, really from the day that James Harden picked up his player option on this season instead of declining. James Harden is the NBA equivalent of a guy who's on the verge of his fourth marriage. And I don't think he should be blaming Morey. I think he should be blaming himself. This is not 2018. I don't think teams are clamoring for James Harden the way they were four or five years ago. We know that relationship between Daryl Morey and James Harden has soured. We heard Harden's words from China earlier in the week. He made it very clear he has no intention of ever playing for an organization that Daryl Morey is part of. Well, now Joel Embiid has done the thing that Joe, the kids these days do, right? That he sends the message by removing stuff from social media. And what he removed in this case was his location which used to be Philadelphia. And he also removed the word processing. We know that Joel Embiid was so much 
a part of the process at one point that he even trademarked the term trust the process. Well, it feels like Joel Embiid doesn't trust the process anymore. Part of me thinks that a move like what Embiid just pulled off is incredibly soft. Just incredibly soft with the way these guys run to social media and their way of dealing with adversity is to like change their profile. But then on the other hand, like a lot of these guys utilize that sort of thing and sometimes it gets the wheels moving and it gets people talking about them too. And like they say, there's no such thing as bad press, right? So like Embiid's in the news, people want to know what Embiid's up to. People want to know if Embiid's unhappy. Does Embiid want to leave? And that's how you jumpstart these things. And ultimately, you know, Embiid probably loves the fact that people are talking about him, just like Durant does, just like LeBron does, just like Harden does. Like, it, it's not it's not that odd to think that you, you want to wake up and see that everyone on first take, yourself this week, are talking about me this week. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, they're talking. Like, people love that sort of thing. It feeds the ego. But yeah, I think it's soft. Like, deal with it. This is a profession. It's a business. Show up and do the job. If you're unhappy, go talk to the organization about getting traded. You don't need to run to the press. And often, a lot of times, the only thing that does is hurt you in the process. Because if everybody knows you're not going to play for the team, you're lowering your trade value making it more difficult for your team to get a deal done. If you quietly go behind the scenes and let the organization know you're not going to play and you want out, but you're going to keep it quiet so that they can get something done, it gives them an opportunity to fulfill your wishes while they also get the best bang for their buck. So when you go public with this stuff, you're not helping your cause at all. This isn't something that's exclusive to this generation, though. It is exclusive to this generation in terms of it happening on social media. But even the basketball players of yesteryear, right, even during Michael Jordan's era, when they were disgruntled with a franchise, they wouldn't just suck it up and deal with it. They would go to a beat writer on the low, right? And they'd feed the beat writer some sort of story. You know, like it's on the record, quote, off the record, sources are saying... And you feed them your discontent that way. And that's how it used to get into the newspapers. And then we would talk about it on the radio stations as well. And this is sort of just the new way of doing that. They don't have to go and pull some beat writer aside in a dark alley and feed them some story off the record there. They get to instead just go to their own Instagram account and remove something from it. And all of a sudden, we all know what message that player is trying to send. I don't have a problem with Joel Embiid doing this because this is how you get to where you need to be. And where he needs to be either is the Philadelphia Sixers getting their stuff together, which seems unlikely to be at this point, but getting their stuff together around the reigning MVP and figuring out how to put him in a position to get out of the second round of the playoffs. The other thing otherwise that needs to happen is Joel Embiid needs to demand a trade. And this feels like the breadcrumbs to get both of those things done. Because the reason he doesn't just go straight to the organization yet and demand a trade is because it's not there yet, right? We aren't there yet. And also, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think he's got a four-year extension that's about to kick in for like $230 bucks or whatever does, it is. Yeah. So there's that component of this as well. I think that if you're Joel Embiid, you recognize, I'm not getting traded yet. This situation's a really, really ugly one. But let me go ahead and sprinkle down the breadcrumbs. And you can follow along the breadcrumbs to eventually where it's going to lead and eventually where it is going to lead, I believe, one day is Joel Embiid trying to force his way out of Philadelphia. 
Yeah, I mean, that's happening in the next year. You got to imagine. And if you're the Sixers, you might want to be proactive and start thinking about what you can get in return for Embiid. You also have to ask yourself, first and foremost, if you're this organization, do you want Daryl Morey as your general manager? Before you decide on anything else, you have to figure out what you're going to do with Morey. Because, and hear me out here, if you decide, you know what? Maury, you have screwed this up. You have failed in every way possible with this job. You're out. Once he's gone, you might be able to go back to James Harden and say, all right, the guy that you don't trust, the guy that you don't like, we fired him. We fired him because of this. He's gone. Let's come back to the table and let's have a discussion about how we can get things done. And Harden might say, I don't want to play for you. And you say, that's fine. That's fine. But help us help you. Help us find a trade partner for you. Go say something publicly about how now that Daryl Morey's gone, you're going to report and you're fine. It can be bullcrap, but at least give us that leverage so we can try to facilitate something for you. We are not going to trade you for nothing. You want out of here, so let's work together. So firing Daryl Morey might be the way to get James Harden back into the fold so you can figure out what is next. Because if you're going to let him go, the next domino to go is probably Embiid, and then you're at square one. If you really want to try to make it work with Embiid, you need to get aggressive now in terms of what you are going to do with this roster. Because if this team is not competitive this year, there's no way he's going to want to stick around to see what's next. Well, it's why Daryl Morey said that he's not going to trade away James Harden unless he gets back with now pieces in return and it's because he's scared of losing Embiid I don't think the future of Embiid hinges on Harden specifically I think the future of Embiid hinges on a player like a Harden right like a player that could help him get over the hump and if you're not going to get the help back because you're just going to get basically a bunch of draft picks back and then some nice pieces rotational pieces but not the guy that you can put around Embiid to try to get out of the second round and get over the hump which is frankly all they need to do right now because goodness they can't even do that then you're going to have a very disgruntled MVP on your hands, which is what Joel Embiid is. Brian Windhorse, ESPN NBA senior writer, he was on Get Up with the latest on Embiid scrubbing his social. I think he's happy in Philly. I think he wants to win in Philly, but I also think he has very high expectations. He is in his prime. He needs to have a team around him that can compete for a championship. And if James Harden walks on this team, they are not going to be that type of team. So he is definitely sending messages without using words uh, with this social media move. And look, maybe more than anybody else in the league, Joel Embiid knows the nuances of social media. He puts Troel Embiid in there because he uses it like, like a weapon at times and that is absolutely the saber rattling he is doing here I think he would like to have James Harden back this year I think he'd like to make another run at it but he recognizes that the Sixers have put themselves in a very difficult position and the difficult position feels like Daryl Morey promised James Harden that if James Harden agreed to leave money on the table when he joined the 76ers and he restructured that deal that eventually he would get his extension that he wanted, his monster extension. And none of that came to fruition. Then James Harden opts in, and also Daryl Morey, it feels like, refuses to trade him. So at every turn, and it's weird for me to be defending James Harden, Joe, but it that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. Business is business. And you know what? If you're Harden and they lied to you, too bad. How about what you did to Houston? Running off guys and then refusing to show up for them. How about what you did to Brooklyn? It all comes full circle. 
Okay, so I would love to feel bad for what happened because ultimately he was deceived. But you know what? It's not like he's been a, a fair and honest actor with the organizations he's dealt with in the past either. Yeah, but he left a lot of money on the table, it seems like, as part of that deception. And then he gets he opts in to try to end up helping the Sixers so they can get something in return for him. And now they're refusing to appease him in that way as well. I'm not surprised this situation so ugly. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Help the people affected by the Hawaii wildfires. Donate at redcross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond and help people recover. We have been playing a new game on tonight's show, Favorites versus the Field. We did the AFC version a little bit earlier in the show. If you missed anything, please check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Let's head to the NFC. Favorites versus the field. We give you the favorites based on the betting odds in every division. And are you going to take the favorite in that division? Or are you going to take the rest of the division to win the division? James Steele helps us out. Hello, James. Hi, guys. Again, uh, we'll start in the West uh, here as we did. Not nearly as excited when yeah. it doesn't involve the Chiefs, it's I true. noticed. Yeah, that's a low energy. Out that of the energy eights. level dropped. Very, I was very excited to talk about the Chiefs, but now not as excited. Okay, the... NFC West and the 49ers are obviously the favorites to win the NFC West, followed by the Seahawks at two, the Rams at three, and the Cardinals at four. Joe, favorite versus the field? Who you got? I'll take the favorite here. It's a two-horse race. The Rams might go into full-on tank mode when they realize how bad their season's going to start, and they could start looking ahead to Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC who's in their backyard. Arizona might not be the worst team in the league, but they're not challenging for a playoff spot, so it's the Niners or the Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to be formidable, but ultimately the Niner defense, coupled with the Niner rushing attack, coupled with Kyle Shanahan and the way he draws up plays, is going to lead to more wins for the Niners than the Seahawks. It's closer than I think the odds should suggest, excuse me, because the Seattle defense is going to be much improved this season and they weren't very good last year, but the Niners, I'll pick the favorite. I agree with everything that Joe just said. The Cardinals, to me, aren't even worth the conversation. The Los Angeles Rams, if you look at the names just on that defense alone, the only name you will recognize if you're not a Rams fan is Aaron Donald. Like, that is the only name. I could see him requesting a trade during the season because he finds himself in no man's land. The Seattle Seahawks, I agree with Joe, could be better than people expect them to be, but they're not going to be San Francisco 49ers better. To me, it is an easy choice here. In the NFC West, it is the favorite. The The Cardinals don't have a chance, but they're one of the most interesting teams uh, heading into this year, I think. because Well, very they're interesting. interesting. Kyler's interesting. Yeah, there's... there's Because we think they're going to be bad, and if they're bad, they're going to be in a position to draft Caleb Williams, and they also have one of the Texans' picks... 
And the Texans are going to be bad. So they're going to have like two top five picks heading into the draft next year. They should draft Caleb Williams, draft Drake May, and keep <laughs> Kyler Murray. And they should just have all three of those yes. quarterbacks. You, ha- you have and, to hit. And that's, that's how you send out. the message. That's how you send the message. Got to hit on one of them. You have all to right. hit on one. I'm telling you, that's what I wanted the Dolphins to do in that draft that they drafted two. I wanted them to still take Jalen Hurts at the back of that first round because they had three picks in that thing. I'm like, listen, let's just keep drafting quarterbacks. One of them has to work. And by the way, how would that have worked out? We wouldn't be worrying about these two concussions at all if we had Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, uh, that, you know what? That's a whole other segment right there. That's too much. Let's keep it moving, James. All right. So uh, let's move on to the NFC South. The New Orleans Saints are the favorites to win the South, followed by the Falcons uh, at two, the Panthers at three, and the Buccaneers at four. Amber, favorite versus the field. Who you got? Uh, I'm taking the field. And I'm taking the field because this is such a bad division that everyone's so bad that I don't have any idea who's going to win this thing. I have the Carolina Panthers winning this division. I could see, though, the Saints being improved. They certainly got an upgrade at quarterback. I still have a lot of questions in terms of the weapons and also in terms of that coaching staff. The Atlanta Falcons, I mean, I don't expect anything from them, but could Desmond Ritter be better than we expect? Could B. John Robinson end up being a huge pick for them? And the Tampa Bay Bucks, they still have some of the pieces from that Super Bowl team. Does Todd Bowles get it together? Does Baker look better now? Maybe Kyle Trask, go Gators. I'm taking the field. I will take the favorite here. Amber makes good points. It's not as if this is a runaway in one direction or the other. Atlanta is going to have a season that by the end of the year, people are going to be saying, oh my God, if they just had a quarterback, think about what this team can do. I like Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. Great guy, great leader. He just doesn't have the arm. He can't make all the throws on the field, and he's not overly accurate. Arthur Smith is going to draw up a great offense. They're going to be able to run the ball. The defense is improved. They've got a solid O-line, but they don't have the quarterback, and that's what's going to burn them. Carolina doesn't have the weapons for Bryce Young. They don't have the offensive line for Bryce Young. They do have a surprisingly good defense, but they're not going to win enough games. And then Tampa Bay is just a mess. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay turns into a full-on mutiny. you got a lot of guys on that team that were a part of the Super Bowl team a few years ago. They became, over the time that Tom Brady was there in those three years, they became accustomed to winning. They, they, uh, were, they were into his leadership. They bought into what was happening there. And the further they get away from Bruce Arians and now Tom Brady, the worse it's going to be. So I think it's a disaster in Tampa this year. Saints win by default. So Kyle Trask, not the answer in uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> I said go Trask, Mayfield, whatever it is, it's going to be a problem. And I did say go Gators. But yes, it's hard to believe that either of those guys are truly nope. the answer. I'm also, re- I'm so torn with that team because I also, like, I want Baker to be good, man. The NFL is better when Baker Mayfield's good because those commercials are better. Uh, so one for three on the Amber Bingo board uh, tonight. <laughs> Surprising right. you. On to, the, the yeah. on to the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles are the favorites to win the East, followed by the Cowboys at two, the Giants at three, and the Commanders at four. Joe, favorite versus the field. Who you got? Favorite. Uh, home. It sounds like a homer take because I'm an Eagles fan. I don't expect a whole lot from the Commanders. I think there's issues at the quarterback position. I don't expect a lot from the Giants. They'll be good, but I think they're going to take a step back. There are a lot of metrics that point to some regression. I think it's like four of the first six or six of the first eight are on the road. They were 8-4-1 and one in one-score games last season. So the Giants will be good. They'll threaten for a wild-card spot, but they're not going to threaten for the division. I want to pick Dallas. I want to sit here and say Dallas will p- pass the Eagles. 
because the Eagles had a ton of injury luck last season, and that's going to hurt them. Um, they have a tougher schedule this year. They lost both coordinators. There are a lot of reasons to believe Dallas will get past them, but then I see Mike McCarthy's calling the plays, and I think I'll just ride with Philadelphia here. I'm going to shock the world, and I'm going to take the field. And I'm going to take the field for the reasons that you just stated very quickly, though, about Philadelphia. The changing of the coordinators. They've lost key pieces. I think they lost five starters on defense. They certainly have changed things since that team that we just saw in the Super Bowl this past season. Plus, and most notably to me, is the schedule. They had the easiest schedule in the entire NFL by win percentage last season. That's certainly not going to be the case at all this season with that first-place schedule now for the Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles. I think that the Cowboys are absolutely loaded. They are loaded in talent on both sides of the ball. This is a team that when you look at on paper should win the division. Now it's the Cowboys. So should doesn't always mean that they will, but they theoretically should. I think the Giants are going to be quite a bit better than people expect the New York Giants to be. Everyone thinks the Giants are going to take this step back. I don't really see it, frankly. I believe in that coach, and I think that quarterback has proven that he's capable of running that coach's system. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but Danny Dimes has shown that he can certainly be competent enough in running that system. He has Ezekiel Elliott back, the leader of that team, to help that situation. I think that they're going to be better. I'll take the field. No back-to-back champions in the NFC East since 2004, 19 straight seasons. Wow, too. that's Whoa. a crazy stat. Since the Harry since, Eagles. since the Eagles won four in a row. Eagles. The Andy yeah, the Eagles. Eagles. Wow. So, all right, uh, real quick, the time. NFC North, the Detroit Lions are the favorites to win the North. Vikings at two, the Packers at three, the Bears at four. Uh, favorite versus the field. Amber, who you got? Uh, this is easy for me. This is the field because I'm not – a Lions believer in the way that most people are. I'm not a Dan Campbell believer in the way that most people are. Just because you can bite off kneecaps and sell sound bites doesn't make you a good NFL head coach. I do think that Jared Goff impressed last season. I do think the Lions are going to be better. I do think that they'll take a step board. When we're talking about winning the division, that nod still actually goes to Minnesota. For me, the team that won 13 games last season in the regular season, I don't know what to make of the Green Bay Packers. Maybe Jordan Love will be better than we anticipate. The Chicago Bears, I think, will take a step forward. I don't think I'm expecting them to win the division, but because I don't have belief there in that favorite over the field, I'm going field. I agree. It's the field. I'll take the Packers to win the division. I think everyone is sleeping on them and just assumes that Jordan Love is going to be terrible. So they're being priced as a terrible team with their win total, with their divisional odds. I know some sharp guys that jumped on him at five to one. Yeah, Detroit looks good, but like we're all of a sudden going to crown Detroit. They haven't been to the playoffs in what, like a decade? They very rarely come through. Maybe this is the year. Minnesota's taking a step back, but they should be right in that nine-win range. And then you've got a Bears team that, while they're on the rise, I think they're a year away from being a year away. So I'll take the field. I think the Packers surprise everybody. Did we shock you, James? Did we shock the world? Um, I'm not shocked at anything. No, none of it? None, none of it. You would have been shocked if we had taken the field over Casey. That would have shocked Well, that would have just... That would have been thought that's a troll job. And in, in, in hindsight, that's what I should have done. It would have been, been wrong. I mean, you can be wrong. It's a free country. Coming up next <laughs> here on ESPN Radio. It is your turn to weigh in. This is when we open up the phone lines on Joe and Amber. We love to hear from you. Triple eight, say ESPN. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? What is your hottest take? 888-729-3776. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
The phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. Triple eight, say ESPN. We love when you chime into the conversation. We will get to call a roulette in just a moment. But first, we have to get to this epic sound from Kevin Brown, the Orioles play-by-play announcer. Try to explain Blink-182 to his broadcast partner, Ben McDonald, on Mid-Atlanta Sports Network. Take a listen to this. Don't tell me you don't know Blink-182. I'll be honest, never heard of Blink-182. Are you kidding me? Sounds like a fighter jet to me. Let's get out of here. You don't know Blink-182? Mm-mm. I probably know the song. Yeah. All the small things? No? Sing it for me. All I might recognize it. small things. Oh, okay, don't sing it anymore. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Tom DeLonge is in a lot of Padres games. Big fan. I miss you. You don't know that one? I don't think so. I mean, I might if I could hear the song. Tom has this, like, very distinct nasally voice. You know? So he goes, where are you? And I'm so sorry. Now I recognize you. It, you do. You, yeah, got you it sound now. just Thank like Thank you. Yeah. yeah, about time. That is amazing sound from Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. So a lot to dissect there. Number one, this is what happens in the broadcast booth when you're down 10-0. I mean, this is baseball too, right? What was taking place there? What other sport do you have this much room? (laughs) O's were down 10-0. There was nothing left. Also, on top of this, might be an unpopular take. A little bit of too too much Kevin Brown for me. Wow. I I think we're on Kevin Brown overload. We just went through the whole thing. For a couple weeks with him and the suspension and everything else, we all defended him. We all stood up for him. Yes. I'm all for that. We all united behind Kevin. Now, the crowd, now he's... The crowd was quite literally in the ballpark chanting free Kevin Brown. Yeah, and I, we're all for it. I'm in support of it. He's fantastic. Yes, yes, Can't have him back in the news this soon. This is too much. I don't care if it's affable. I don't care if lovable. it's likable. It's too much. It's no. too much. You got to quiet. It's all got to be quiet for a little bit. We can't live in this cycle of perpetual commentary, perpetual news, perpetual stimulation. We, we had our two weeks of Kevin Brown. Now we move on, move on to the next thing, and then we can circle back to Kevin Brown. It can't be this much. I you can't agree. tell me it's about the game. It's not about you. You're not the story, and then you keep being the story. Well, somebody had to be the story. They were down 10-0. The story is the team being down 10-0. <laughs> Man, what a wet blanket you are, Joe. Yeah, no, I'm no not. Kidding. No. James was These so are the things that need to be said. Uh, this, I don't think they need to fun. be said. This why is don't, him having fun on uh, why don't we find TV? out? Why don't we find out what does need to be said? Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black odd. No winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Triple eight, say ESPN. If you want to chime into the conversation, let's spin the wheel. Spin it, Harry. Everybody's all upset with my Kevin Brown take. Is that what's going on? We're all we're all so mad. Everyone's so mad. Terrence, our friend from Georgia. Hey, Terrence, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, but I got to wear my Yankee hat inside out. The Braves fans are clowning me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, this is the worst I've seen this team in decades. You know, this is yeah. this is absolutely <laughs> the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably is. What they're going to – I mean, 
Listen, the, the Yanks, your Yanks, Terrence, hate to tell you, like they ain't making a postseason. It'll be, what, the first time since 2016? I don't have it in front of me, Joe, but I think that's right. This is a terrible Yankees team. It's an embarrassing Yankees team. And the saving grace here for the Yankees is that they aren't even the most embarrassing team in their own city. I mean, they, they, they suck. Yeah. I mean, it's look, you can go out there and lose games. Like, it, it happens. There's a bunch of teams that lose. But good God. Like, when the Chargers lose, they make it exciting. The Yanks don't even score anymore. Like, what, where are they at? They were 5 nothing the last time I looked. Uh, or 2 nothing. excuse me. Last night, they lose 5 nothing. They're down 2 nothing. It's the middle six. Like, show up with some guts. Have a little bit of just moxie and go out there and drive in a run. Like, it's got to be such a soft locker room, such a soft clubhouse culture that these guys are all just rolling over and dying. Yeah, they are. It's done. It feels like a season that is that is lost at this point. It is done. Two New York teams, two lost seasons in New York. Let's spin the wheel. Q is calling us from Atlantic City. Hey, Q, what do you have for us tonight? Um, I just want to talk about the Raiders. My Raiders, I'm an Eagle country, but I've been a Raider fan my whole life. And I think Jimmy G going Give us that life. He'll win it. If he could just stay healthy, he's going to do what he got to do to bring it back. I know we in a tough division, but I think they're sleeping on us. we over there doing our thing on the left. How do you feel about the chances of the Raiders, Joe? Because I'm not one who's very high on the Raiders, but a lot of people had expectations for that team last season. Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback that we have seen in a Super Bowl, if he can stay healthy, if is always a question mark when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you think he's going to look like in a different system? Uh, I can tell you that there is absolutely zero buzz in this town for that team. There is zero buzz. There's an NFL team here, and the season's right around the corner. I haven't talked to anybody or seen anybody getting gassed up for this. I will say for the preseason game that just took place on Sunday, I was down on the strip having brunch at one of my favorite brunch spots with a friend of mine who was in town from the Bay for the game. It was Niner fans everywhere. Niner fans all over the place. Must have been 75 to 80% of the season was Niner fans who traveled down for that game. So Raiders... I don't know. Garoppolo, I've always liked him, but he can't stay healthy. He's inconsistent. Josh McDaniels, I think he's got enough to work with, but I'm not sure if he's cut out to be a top guy. Defense has made some improvements. I don't know if they'll be great. I think the first-round pick getting off the PUP list and getting out on the field to play opposite Max Crosby is big, but ultimately they are a bottom-10 team that's got an extraordinarily difficult schedule. Bottom teams are not supposed to have really difficult schedules the next year, and the Raiders have that. They have that... They also have a division that has the Kansas City Chiefs in it, right? It has the Chargers, who you and I think are going to be better this season. The Broncos, I think, are going to be better this season. It's going to be tough sledding, I think, for that Raiders team. Let's spin it. Tyler. Tyler is calling us from New Jersey. Hey, Tyler. Go ahead. Hey. How you guys doing? I just want to say quick shout-out to Q. Atlantic City born and raised at the back-to-back AC call. But let me get to it. Richard Jefferson, I got a bone to pick with him. This guy, he's supposed to be a professional. He's on ESPN. He, when he goes out there, he's like four buttons off. I don't know if anyone else sees this. We get it, Richard. You're a hairless freak. You've got no, chest, uh, no hair on your chest, no hair on your head. It's a miracle you have eyebrows. How about you button up your shirt a little bit? You're a sports anchor, not a host at a swingers party in Miami. Thanks. Um, it's important someone finally said this. I, I 
am not going to condone that take because I, you know, I, I, if if men want to leave some of their buttons unbuttoned, I, I'm just, it's you know, it's it's fine, Joe. With me. Uh, I'll say this. I don't have much to if, say. If, if I was Jefferson <laughs> and I was able if I was able to pull that off, I would absolutely do it. So I hate on Jefferson going so many buttons low because I wish I was Jefferson and I was able to go that low. But since I'm not, I'm just gonna take the hater route. Button it, up, son. It feels like this a is jealousy Disney. take. Because he did even mention the lack of hair there for Jeff. Like it feels like a little bit of a jealousy take there where maybe that caller wishes he could miss a couple buttons on the button up. The reference to Miami was funny, though, because that is a very Miami move <laughs> to forget to button up the rest of your shirt. I mean, there's very few things more Miami than that. I like that. I like the caller on caller shout out that that caller gave the other caller a shout out because they were both representing Atlantic yeah, City. AC coming through. <laughs> I spent many a questionable night in AC. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't, but I have no doubt that you, in fact, have. Coming up next, Hugh Myers and Emmett Golden on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Maybe they've had some questionable nights, too. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.